This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 255, submission number 2223, Kung Fu, The Next Generation. Kung Fu, The Next Generation, was an episode of CBS Summer Playhouse, a showcase of unsold pilots, that aired on June 19th, 1987. Well, picture it, guys. 1987. And the powers that be have decided to take a beloved television franchise from the past and reboot it for, and now I'm quoting, The Next Generation. Why are we talking about Star Trek The Next Generation? We are not talking about Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh. Well, what are we talking about? We are talking about the 1972 series Kung Fu. A minor hit for ABC, it follows David Carradine as a Chinese monk named Kwai Chang Kane as he finds his way to the American West and dispenses justice with a side of philosophy. You know, I never saw the original Kung Fu, and I had no idea what it was about until today. You had no idea what the original Kung Fu was about? No! I never knew what it was about. It was about a Shaolin monk named Kwai Chang Kane who travels through the American Old West, dispensing justice while looking for his half-brother, Danny. Yeah, because from what I understand, David Carradine's character was, like, part American, right? Yes. Okay. But unlike his brother Danny, he was brought up in a Shaolin monastery, learning the ways of the fist. Like I said before, it was a minor hit for ABC. It went for three seasons, but it spawned a May 4 TV movie in 86, a syndicated reboot, and a reboot that is currently airing on the CW. One of the bright spots not involving the DC universe, mind you. Yeah, because basically everything on the CW is practically DC related. Not necessarily. There's also oh, oh, Who's the Line. And the Dynasty reboot, I forgot. There's also Who's Line, Dynasty. Is Jane the Virgin still? Th- no. No. Legends, Legends, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Previous installment, Legends of the Hidden Temple. And coming very soon, Would I Lie to You? Ooh, can't wait for that. I really can't. But we're going to focus on something that happened in 1987 as the masters of the late 80s, early 90s reboot, Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo fleshed out a new storyline using familiar characters not necessarily the same characters but familial character no yeah actually i gave myself a freudian slip there i meant to say familiar but it is familial because the story in kung fu the next generation takes place in the modern day with the grandson of kwai chang kane who is also named Kwai Chang King. Wow! Oh, neat! I know, right? Yeah, I get it, I get it. Much like his grandfather, this Kane is basically a wandering spirit. He doesn't own a car, but he is fully entrenched in uh, the day-to-day lives of his Los Angeles Chinatown neighborhood. So it's like a combination of old-school philosophies... But with a modern twist. With a modern twist, yes. Yeah. And then and then there is the matter of, because this is the next generation, there needs to be sort of a sort of a father-son relationship, I guess you could say. Because in this version, Kwai Chang Kane has a son also named Kwai Chang Kane, but he prefers you call him Johnny. And not to put too fine a point on this, but Johnny's a bit of a prick. Oh, what a shock. We see that in the beginning. 
Yeah, in the beginning of the pilot, he goes and tries to rob a house with his friend Mick, who is also a bit of a prick. Yeah, they're both not very likable. Yeah. And unfortunately, Mick gets away, but Johnny does not. He's reprimanded to the custody of his father, Chain Kane, and he promises, Kane promises, to watch out for him. And if he is led off the beaten path again, it's off to prison. So ultimately, they are in the family business together to do what his grandfather did, fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. And maybe teach a thing or two to a bunch of people along the way. Specifically about the martial arts, specifically Kung Fu. Yes. Yeah, it's all about philosophy and and fighting. It isn't teaching about, you know, what you'd normally expect. No, it's mostly about the whole Kung Fu thing. And there's also a bit of a Shaolin monk words of wisdom to be passed along. Because that is what Kane is. He is a Shaolin monk who lives in these modern times and walks these modern streets. I didn't think that Los Angeles could get that dangerous in 87, but shows what I know. So, who did they get to play the principals in Kung Fu The Next Generation? Well, let's get the obvious out of the way. Remember. A year ago that there was a TV movie starring David Carradine, the original Kwai Chain Kane, and that sort of kind of set the stage for the events to happen, you know, in Hollywood regarding the Kung Fu franchise in the year that we're talking about. But interestingly enough, When pitched with the pilot for Kung Fu The Next Generation, David Carradine says, you know what? I'm good. David Carradine said, I'm a little tied up. Good (laughs) on, everybody. Oh, jeez. This is an asphyxiation joke. You know what? I have to find out what he was busy with, because a guy like him has to have been busy with something. I'm on the case. Thank you. We know for a fact it wasn't Death Race 2000, because that was way too early. 1987, he didn't do heck of a lot. I'm just taking a look at all his 1987 credits here. He was on one episode of Night Heat. Uh, He did a movie, Six Against the Rock. He was in the Heartbeat video? What? Wait, did did, did Don Johnson? Man Man playing dice. The Don Johnson video that we already covered? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to guess. I'm going to take a look. Yes. Uh, yep. but, but also, uh, he, he was in something called the Misfit Brigade. But a wow. year before, he was doing North and South Book 2, so that would probably explain it. And confirmed, it is the Heartbeat video with Don Johnson. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. And North and South Book 2, the epic sequel to the original North and South. Yeah. This didn't have Patrick Swayze back, right? I don't believe it did, but I will oh. look. It, it had Kirstie Alley, David Carradine, Mary Crosby, Leslie Ann Down, Jonathan Frakes. Oh, Stop. great. Oh, so you have Savick and you have Riker in this. Mm-hmm. Kirstie Alley, she played a barkeep. She played an expected mother. She played a... Klingon? No, she didn't play a Klingon. She played a she Vulcan. Played a, she played a Vulcan, and she also played Match Game. And Password Plus. I gotta say this. Hashtag 22,000 big ones. You bet. 22,000 big ones? He just wanted to hear Trebek saying 22,000 big ones? Yes, I did want to hear that. But, yeah, um... David Carradine was either too busy or couldn't be bothered with this project. So it fell upon a man by the name of David Darlow to play 
Kwai Chang Kane. But he didn't play Kwai Chang Kane. He played his grandson. Again, also named Kwai Chang Kane. And David Darlow, aside from being a that guy from that thing, is also more of an acclaimed stage actor than anything else. Well, you're right. He didn't appear in many TV series as like a full-fledged regular. From what I see, the only TV show in which he appeared in three episodes was Barnaby Jones. Ah, Mr. Barnaby Jones. Buddy Epson as a detective. And Lee Merriweather, can't forget about her. A Quinn Martin production. But was also in two episodes of Barney Miller, an episode of Dallas, an episode of Buck Rogers, an episode of Simon and Simon. You sort of get the idea. An episode of Early Edition in 2000. He was a that guy from that thing. And more recently, two episodes of Chicago Fire. Mm-hmm. Playing two different characters. Go figure. But play the role of Johnny Kane. Oh, boy. This is the great-grandson of David Carradine's character. Yeah, the great-grandson of David Carradine's character was played by the son of Bruce Lee himself. Eric Draven, the crow himself. The late, the great, Brandon Lee. Yeah, the late Brandon Lee. What can we say besides that? Nothing. Nope, I was like, I was expecting, you know, react, react. No, no. There is no react. He's a legend. Yeah, untimely death, but, I mean, the crow, that's what he's always going to be known for. Mm-hmm. Legendary role. But hold on a second. Guys. 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 This isn't the first time we talked about Brandon Lee, I just realized, because he was on O'Hara. He was on O'Hara. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. This is what I was trying to find. Brandon Lee in 1989 was in a movie called Laser Mission. And do you know who his co-star in the movie was? Who was his co-star in the movie? Ernest Borgnine. Oh, jeez. Do you know what that means, guys? I masturbate a lot. He had his bird in his hand. We know you do, Ernest. We know you do. We know. this. Is, this these are facts. These are facts. And his widow just died within, like, the last month. So oh, let's right, be nice. Right. Yeah, Tova passed away. R.I.P. Tova Borknine. Yeah, uh, you remember her from selling some sort of crap on QVC or HSN or some home shopping network. But yeah, she was uh, Ernest's uh, widow. Yes. yes but not the only name on this show was. Oh. Uh, yes. Yes. We have two known entities on this show. First one. I know you'd know her, Mike. Play the role of Lois Poole, Lieutenant of Police, Paula Kelly. The first uh, public defender on Night Court. Yeah, she was only on, I think, the first season. She was only on the first season. But hey, she had one good week on the Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. And this has been your Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour reference. But also, we're going to talk about one of her replacements in the next episode. Oh. Spoilers. Spoilers. No, I, I, I just said one of her replacements. I didn't give any names. Yeah. Ellen Foley. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I wish. We need more Ellen Foley references. <laughs> and play the role of Johnny Cade's best friend, Mick, was Miguel Ferrer, who up until now was known mostly for playing that bastard from RoboCop. Yeah, because RoboCop would have been this year in 87. Yep. And of course, come on. Miguel Ferrer, God rest his soul. One of the absolute legends. Oh, God. I mean, I still always love him in the movie Blank Check. That's one of my favorites. The Greg Diener cult canon is Blank Check. But, of course, I'd be remiss if I 
wouldn't mention his role as Albert on Twin Peaks. Because of course. Because of course. Oh, hold up. He was the first officer, Chico, mm-hmm. for the Excelsior in Star Trek 3. And do you remember who the captain of the Excelsior in Star Trek 3 was? Kelsey Grammer? No, Kelsey Grammer was in The Next Generation. Okay. No, James B. Seeking was the captain of the Excelsior in Star Trek 3. Yeah, because remember Kirk and uh, the crew had to steal the Enterprise to save Spock on the planet Genesis? Yep, I do remember. I do remember that. Yeah. Well, also, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention his parents. Legendary Jose Ferrer. Oh, and? And the equally legendary Rosemary Clooney, which means Nick Clooney is his uncle of previous installment, The Money Maze, but also his cousin is George Clooney. And if you don't know who any of these are. Oh, forget it. Just don't. No. No. Get Not out. even. Not even. But we'll talk about George in the future entry E-R. You see what I did there? Yeah. Ah. It's, like, it's like E-R, but with a slash. And Jason Alexander. And Jason Alexander. And it's a comedy. And, and it's a comedy. Oh, and did I mention that member of the SNL Five Timers Club, Elliot Gould, was in it? Oh, I knew he was in that, yes. I totally knew he was in it. But yeah, um, a whole lot of stuff goes down. And unfortunately, David Carradine didn't want any part of it, either due to scheduling or other reasons. But we'll do the play-by-play of the pilot, and you can be the judge. Because I can tell you right now, I sat through 45 minutes of this, and it was... A slog. Oh, it was a slog. The fight scenes were okay. The fight scenes were the worst part, I thought. Well, let's just say it got a whole lot better. There was one fight scene that was so absolutely terrible that I actually laughed out loud. It's near the end, so we'll get to that. That's, I think, what I'm talking about. Because at the end, the fight scenes were really, really bad. Oh, God. Yeah, they were slow. That's like, to call them to call them fight scenes would be an insult to the concept of the fight scene as we know it. Well, it's more than just slow. It came across as really fake. Uh, yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's, uh, let's look at uh, Tim and Daphne Reed. Because, again, part of the CBS Summer Playhouse... We get Tim and Daphne Reed on the set of Frank's Place. Future entry Frank's Place. Mm-hmm. We begin with a scene that looks like it's straight out of the 70s kung fu. In fact, yeah, that is a scene from the 70s kung fu. This is basically the open. And much like his grandfather, the ghost of Kwai Chang Cade walks out of the past. And his great-grandson walks into a house that isn't his. Well, also, don't forget his accomplice, Mick. That bastard Mick. He's really slick, Mick. They ought to call him Slick Mick. It's like, do you even know why you're robbing this place? Because it's there. It's big, it's bold, and it's there. So they scale the wall, they come outside... They trip the alarm, and uh-oh. 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 Here comes the security, and here comes the popo, and there goes Mick. And uh, Johnny Kane is arrested. Meanwhile, on another side of town, Kwai Chang Kane the Younger is going on a walk. Much like his grandfather, Kwai Chang Kane the Elder. Did you notice in his hand he was holding a grasshopper? Yes. I see what you did there, Bilson and DeMeo. Yeah, nice little nod. Here comes a, a guy. He's just a random guy. I believe his name is Buckley, and if so, he's played by somebody we talked about on this show before, Victor Brandt, a.k.a. 
that bastard who wanted to buy up the Hawaiian hideaway from Dean Jones. Oh, no. Yeah. Dang it. I hate the, you know how much I hate the Royal Pacific Hotel, Chico. I know you do. But anyway, he basically wants to ask Kane for a favor. He's trying to get rent out of a client, and he wants to hire Kane to, you know, coerce them to pay. Of course, because he is Kane, it's like, I do not use Kung Fu that way. Well, I know you could use a hundo. And, of course, principle is more important than money with Kane the Younger here. And we get a phone call from the police asking about his son. And we have a picture of the family. And I like how he's got a baseball and the baseball gloves there. Aw. Typical American family. Yeah. One just happens to be a Shaolin monk is all. Meanwhile, we arrive at the station and here's the lieutenant played by the late great Paula Kelly. Actress, dancer. Oh, she did it all. She did it all. Match Game Hollywood Squares panelist. Well, she did two weeks. She did. No lies. <laughs> no lies detected. I gotta tell you, the one thing I noticed about Paula Kelly in this role versus Night Court, look at the sassy hair. She has a late 80s hairstyle going on there. Yeah, I'm getting a note of Shayna Elfsworth from Gem. Truly outrageous. Truly, 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 truly outrageous. outrageous. And in comes Kane, and there's Johnny, and Kane is like, better shut up. I'll take it from here. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. Of course, he doesn't say that because he's quite Chang freaking Kane. Oh, commercial break. But you know what we get about a few seconds of? Uh, Susan St. James stopping the madness. Of course, they cut that out, but it's Susan St. James. I mean, you mean to tell me we can't find a clip that doesn't involve her saying, uh-oh? Can we stop the madness? Uh-oh. 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 George! <laughs> By the way, Kate and Allie is on the list of never covers, so... Well, it was five years, so... I know. And it, was, and it was wonderful. Is that streaming anywhere, Kate and Allie? I have no idea. I, I don't and, think so. And you know what? It's ripe for a reboot, too. I, I want to make... know what happens to Kate and Allie. I think they're making a, a modern-day reboot of it. I think I saw something that they were going to make a modern-day reboot of it. This is from our good friends at Wikipedia. In January 2021... It was announced that NBC had given a put pilot commitment to a reboot of the series. It will be produced by Fierce Baby Production, Propagate, and Universal Television with Erica Oyama writing and co-executive producing with Nanachka Khan, Ben Silverman, Howard T. Owens, Rodney Farrell, Gregory Lipstone, Peter Principato, Jen Carreras, and Brian Dobbins. Royalty. Those first two names... Nanachka Khan and Ben Silverman. That's... Hey, and Howard T. Owens, his production partner. Hello. Well, still, that, that's some big name power right there. Just those first two, three names. And no, it doesn't look like it's uh, streaming anywhere, sadly. Oh. Someone's got to pick that up for streaming. Come on. I'd watch every episode of it. Hey, come on. I need to get me a, a Jane Curtin fix. It's not SNL or Third Rock, so... Right. Good luck with that. Okay, so here we have Kane and Johnny walking the street, just minding their own business, explaining the way, you know, the way, the way of the fist. And Johnny's like, I'm not you, okay? I can't be this perfect son, this mind-body-centered crap, but here comes a guy out of a bakery He's like, very happy to see Kane, and very happy to meet Johnny. I guess 
you know, it turns out Kate is quite the pillar in his community, right? Yeah. The nice walk continues to a newsstand, and Kate's basically explaining the situation like, I have to watch out for you, and if you stray, you know where it ends up. So, try and keep up. So he stops into this butcher where Cade meets a student of his and Johnny meets uh, the lovely clerk. He's like, Cade's like, hello. I know you don't have the money, but pay when you can, what you can, when you can. And Johnny's like, huh, hi, I'm Johnny. What the hell is that? That's Nugenics. I believe that is Marsha Christie, by the way, who is known for head of the class and the sure thing. So it must be later season head of the class, right? Lori Applebaum, yes. Okay. Was that the Billy Connolly season of head of the class? It might have been, actually. She played it from 1986 to 1991. Oh, no, it was a whole series then, so... Hmm. Okay, then. All right. So, Kane doesn't have a car. Luckily, Johnny has a truck. But not for long, because in order to follow Kane, Johnny's getting rid of all of his worldly belongings. Well, not all of his worldly belongings. He gets to keep the motorcycle that was, and now I'm quoting, a gift from Mom. He didn't steal it. Mom gave it to him. So he's like, leave the bike. Take everything else. Kane's house is... It's quite decent. Nice courtyard for practicing. Very spacious. Living room, dining room. And then there's Johnny's room, which has a bed. And... A bed. And, oh, it has a closet, but also a bed. Did we mention the bed? Yeah, it's a very minimalist room. No TV, no stereo. Well, he does have music, though. A flute. And he's all like, do I look like Lizzo to you? Throws the flute at Kate, and Kate catches it, and he's like, You respect this flute. It belongs to your great-grandfather. But, Dad, it's not a CD player. (laughs) Well, that's basically what what, uh, what he's arguing here. What's he going to do with the flute? What am I going to do with the flute? I have no TV. I have no stereo. I have no Walkman. All I got is this stupid flute and this picture of you and Mom. And really, when we say flute, we should mention it is, it looks like a bamboo kind of flute. It's shakuhachi, if you will. Although that is Japanese and not Chinese in origin, and I do apologize for that. But basically, Johnny's like, I'm sorry I'm not your perfect son, and I bet Mom's sorry she's not the perfect wife. feel like I'm in prison. And Kane's basically like, you can come and go as you please. The door is not locked. Yeah, this thing that we should mention is his house does not have any locks. He doesn't need any locks. doesn't need an alarm. He doesn't need a lock. No, he, he's got the security system. It's right here. He's got two fists. Yes, he's got his fisticuffs like Ron Burgundy. He's got Jack Johnson and Tom O'Leary waiting for him right here. Okay, and sneaking into the room in the dead of night. Oh, look, it's Mick. And guess what he's brought with him? A Walkman. Pay attention. This is relevant. And he's basically complaining about his new life here. And Mick's like, but look, you got a nice setup. Nobody's going gonna to notice that, well, you're doing stuff on the side with me? I mean, we got this sweet deal, and hey, I got this sweet deal, and all we have to do is play along, 
We could both be rich, you and me. Come on, man. And Johnny's like, all right. Just let me get through. Let's let me get through this time here. Yeah, nobody's gonna suspect a thing, bro. Come on. What are you, a chicken? Well, what would you do if you were me, huh? I wouldn't puss out is what I'd do. Think about it. Keep the tape deck. And Cade's just watching, like, me know, like him look, him look shifty. I sound like my mother. So the next day comes, and Cade is teaching a class in the way of the fist. Swan style, monkey style, dragon style, tiger style, king of strong style. Wait, I don't see Shinsuke Nakamura anywhere, Chico. No, but I I knew you'd get the reference. Cue Chris Evans. I, I understood that reference. Look how graceful the SWAT is. And you know the thing about all of these uh, styles? It basically serves as one of the pillars of Kung Fu. The human body is a vessel of God in all of his creatures. Or, you know, something like that. Yes. And that's what makes, you know, what they're doing here so incredibly perfect. And it seems like they're all moving discordantly, but they're all moving according to their discipline. So it makes perfect sense what they're doing. But one thing that doesn't make perfect sense is why Johnny would like to challenge his father in a stick battle. But it turns out Johnny knows how to wield a stick. Johnny knows how to catch his dad off guard. Yeah, Johnny knows how to drive a stick. I'm sorry. Anyway. Yeah, but you know who else knows how to drive a stick? Kwai Chang frickin' Kane. And of course, Johnny is angry because he gets shown up by his old man in front of everybody, including that cute clerk from the butcher. You know, you know the one. Yeah. And it leaves Kane feeling a little more than distressed. Just a little more. So he pulls Johnny aside, give him a nice talking to, and, well, doesn't really go over too well, does it? No. No, it does not. But at least he's trying. Give him all the credit in the world for trying. I never noticed this, but David Darlow does look a bit like David Carradine. And he's really, really, really trying to echo his sort of movements as well. Meanwhile, Johnny, playing the flute, didn't think you'd see that, huh? I guess he's starting to come around. Maybe. Possibly. But the more Johnny thinks about it, the more he's thinking about, you know what? Maybe you and I should take a trip. This is uh, Kane talking. Maybe you and I should take a trip. So they take a trip to uh, the Pacific Northwest, it looks like. Yeah, Seattle. Yeah, Seattle. But it looks like a ghost town. Why are they at a ghost town? Mm. This is no ordinary ghost town. What? This is no ordinary ghost town. This is the town... That Kane walked through, and when I say Kane, I mean David Carradine Kane. This is the town he walked through and protected in the original Kung Fu. You can definitely tell it's an abandoned Old West town. It looks like something that Adam the Woo would visit. First ever reference to Adam the Woo on this podcast. I have no idea who he is. Oh, you have to watch Adam the Woo's videos. They're great. Hey guys, yeah. Yeah. if you if you listen very carefully, uh-huh. you can hear you can hear Alex Cord talking about the city here. I can hear Alex Cord narrating every motion they're doing. This oh, looks yeah. like where's the uh, old prospector from Mad Dog McCree? <laughs> So yeah, here they are in this old ghost town. They talk about how the original Kane lived, 
how he arrived there, how he became the wise man of the village. And interestingly enough, he sees the ghost of Kwai Cheng Kane walking from the past. What? This is this is my Richard Anderson. Do you like it? No, no, take a look. Take a look. Just take a look here. Yes, it's slow, and it's getting slower, but if you see Johnny turn around, he's going to see that. Of course, that's not David Carradine. It just looks like him. Much like David Darler. That's not David Carradine. It just looks like him. So they're back in L.A., and now Johnny uses a payphone to call up Mick and says, Yo, man, I'm in. So Mick gets his boys, and he's like, yo, man, I got this stuff, man. I got the hookup here. We are about, are you ready for this? We are about to get a share of this take, and it happens to be the decoupling of a train wagon. And do you know what's in the train? A lot of firearms. And there's the train right there. And Johnny running... Is Johnny running on the train? Well, he's running trying, by the side of the train. He's trying to yank the coupling off the train himself? What is he, Superman? Plot, but check this out. He doesn't know what's in that train, does he? It turns out... That's right. Mixed friends, they're running guns. And Johnny has no idea. Oh, wait, he knows now. Now he knows. And he's like, you didn't tell me this was the take. I didn't want you to, sc- I didn't want you to scream and grab me, dude. But I tell you, man, this is going to make us rich. We are going to be living large, man. Dude, I can't do this, man. If anybody finds me, it's life, all right? No. Nobody's going to find you. Just chill the F out, all right? So he does. The next day, Johnny arrives. Very, very late. And guess who's waiting for him? Hi, Dad. And Kane's all like, you're late, son. Uh, No, I, I just got up late. No, you never came home last night. But that's okay. I'm going to spend the day helping somebody. I'll be back late. And in comes this buzzard mech. And he's offering Johnny one last chance to get with the program, basically. Because his boss, apparently, does not trust him. And has good reason. Because guess who's in the back of the pickup truck? Well, he did say he was going to spend the day helping somebody. Look at this blonde guy with this toothpick. Who's, who's, who's this Billy Zabka-looking motherfather, huh? By the way, I looked. It's not Billy Zabka. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, uh, yeah. But look at all the cargo from last night's robbery, huh? They're just going to store it all in these pallets and store it all in these shelves. Until the big boss comes and decides what to do with it. Speaking of the big boss, here's the big boss. He looks like Lloyd Kaufman. The trauma guy. (laughs) I I understood that reference. I, I understood that reference. But no, it's not Lloyd Kaufman. It was Dominic Bartow. One of the Russian government agents from Rocky IV. Oh, wow. Can't get enough of Rocky IV on this podcast. But okay. And also, on a 1990 episode of Head of the Class. Was that in the Billy Connolly season? No. Oh, so it was was late Howard Hesseman. Late Howard Hesseman, yes. Yeah. But yeah, turns out he's not the boss either. You know who the real boss is? Who's the real boss? Hi, Mick. How you doing? Oh, of course, Miguel Ferrer is going to be the boss. 
I was hoping somebody was going to say Mona's the boss. Oh, come on, Mike. That's just logic talking. Everyone knows Mona was the boss. Everyone knows Yeah, Catherine there's Hellman. no surprise in that. Catherine Hellman was the real boss on Who's the Boss. Everyone knows this. It wasn't Judith Light. It wasn't Tony Danza. It could have been Alyssa Milano, but never mind. In my dream, she was the boss. Okay, Greg. Thank you. But it turns out, while Mick was basically ratting himself out, here comes Chekhov's tape recorder. And he's about to dime him out to the police, too. Not smart. Speaking of not smart, <laughs> this guy thinks he's going to get one up on old man Kane, huh? Okay, now here's where we go. This is what I was talking about with the fight scene, Mike. Yeah. It's yeah, just Lisa, a, this is a horrible fight scene. It's a shove, but it gets even more horrible. Oh, it gets even more horrible. <laughs> oh, wait, what? Oh, wait. This, guy, con- this guy thinks he's going to do something. Nope. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, the last five minutes are very comedic and not purposefully. Fucking no. All right. All right. Let me see that again. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Vulcan <laughs> death pinch. <laughs> now I'm sure that there is a, a discipline in kung fu that does that, but not to the extent that it is seen on this pilot. Oh no! Look at him slowly fall to the ground here. Oh, now you're just milking it, milking the fall. He's not dead, by the way, but he will have some time to think about it, and when he wakes up. He's going to have a very big headache. Not as big as Johnny's about to have because Mick's like, I know you want to kill him, but this is my job. Let me do this. And Johnny's like, come on, Mick. We were friends. And Mick's like, friends? I have no friends. I've got business partners. Sorry, Johnny. You break my heart. Speaking of things being broken. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's so fake. Right there. Yep. Oh. It's like, like, yeah, it just falls, the box falls on his neck, and yeah. Sorry, the, the the most accurate, the most accurate part of this fight scene was that kick right there. Oh, the kick. But only because... Brandon Lee is Bruce Lee's freaking son. It's in his blood. It's in his DNA. How come they didn't show more of him, huh? But no. They only show a bunch of they they show a bunch of gunplay. Bunch of dodging. Come on, Brandon. I know you I know you're better than that. And then and this he, <laughs> the guy with the two fakes like Loading his ammo. He can't get it in on time. And then, oh. Oh, my God. He just jumped. He he literally got the jump on him. Oh. Through the ceiling. It's over, Mick. Doesn't seem over to me. Boom. No, seriously. It's over, Mick. And Johnny's like, Dad, how did you know I was here? Takes one look at Mick and says, Welcome to the family business. Wait, the family business is a takeout business? Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. I figure you do a good takeout business. Good takeout business. Yeah, we do a good takeout business. Takeout business. <laughs> So, everybody who isn't being carted off to prison is being carted off in an ambulance. All thanks to the team of Kwai Chang and Johnny Kane. And as long as they're willing to work with the police, trying to uh, stop the crime at all, we could drop some charges. Maybe drop all of them. And if old man Kane can trust Johnny, and Johnny can trust his father... Then maybe, just maybe, 
we could be a family. And I guess they do. I guess? I guess? That's the pilot! That's the pilot! Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Tim and Daphne have given you the, uh, the 1-900 number like we said in the Infiltrator. If you like it, call... 1-900-220-2311 and if you didn't like it, call 1-900-220-2322 Remember, calls are 50 cents on landlines Just call the number and be all like Hello, is this Wake Martindale with my murdered vacation? I've been sitting here 31 years waiting for somebody to call <laughs> But but there you go. That's that's the pilot. CBS, of course, burned this off in the summer, but really, they took one look and said, pass. Yeah, it's easy to see why. Very easy to see why. But I imagine because an idea like this doesn't just go away. Because this was 1987. Warner Brothers took five years retooled the pilot, added some things, deleted some things, got David Carradine on board, managed to secure a pilot for syndication in 1992, and sold it in a package deal with Time Tracks and later Babylon 5. The end result, they cut costs by taping it in Canada, and David Carradine and son, Peter, played by Chris Potter, go around Northern California fighting crime as only they can. Old Man Kane, the wise Shaolin monk, and Peter Kane, the streetwise police officer. The end result? They saved money by shooting it in Canada. And it goes on for four seasons and 88 episodes. Warner Brothers played the long game and won. But Kung Fu The Next Generation? Let's just say it didn't really make any waves. I mean, Miguel Ferrer, he was doing fine. Brandon Lee, well... Brand, well, Brandon Lee, he be, you know, he was an actor then... He got a few career-making roles, and now he is a legend, much like his father. Yes. But in 1987, Kung Fu the Next Generation. Well, this was just another thing on TV. Oh, yeah. With Tim Reed and Daphne Reed hosting it. That's right. And Tim Daphne and... Reed being vaguely racist about it, if we must say. But. Again, I mean, the show would uh, try again in syndication and get four, and you get four seasons out of it. We talk about this. And it was actually one of my favorite shows growing up. I always made time to watch Kung Fu The Legend Continues. And I still make time to watch the CW uh, reboot, at, which is now in its second season. And has just been renewed for a third. Oh. So yeah, the franchise is in good hands. But you know what else is in good hands? All of the pilots and the non-pilots we have. Uh, it was a thing on TV.com. We have uh, 254 episodes worth, including mini shows, live watches, and of course... Links to our good friends at the Place to Be Nation. What do we have this week? Do you well, know? Uh, uh, Wednesday, it's going to be all the episodes we did last week. Okay, so, so that would be Grudge Match. So and Dark Grudge, Man. Dark, Dark Man, Man, Grudge Match, and Top Secret. Yes. So we got a rare three-pack for you. But in the meantime, we also have the all of our social feeds, and it was a thing on TV, uh, except for the uh, Facebook feed, which is that it was a thing on TV podcast, because Mark Zuckerberg has a rash for some reason. Or because the Facebook automated system is crap. It's both. Anyway. <laughs> no, it's more the latter. Okay, it is the latter. And no, I, no, I think no. I think Zuckerberg is a rash. It's both. 
Okay. But uh, if you're on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe to our feeds. Hit that notification bell. Caesar says stop. Hashtag non-racist gong. And that way you will stay up to date on all of our future entries, including the one we have on Thursday, because, oh boy, we are rounding out pilot month. We started pilot month with a strong female character. I figure we might as well end pilot month with a strong female character. Are we? More or less? Strong Strong female character? Perhaps? No, I don't think it's strong at all. It's definitely not Wonder Woman. No, she's not Wonder Woman. But I think we could all agree she might very well be Electra Awesome. And that's coming up. Yeah, I know. Why don't you just, oh, why don't you just give them the name of the show? That's coming up next time right here on it was a thing on tv for mike for greg i'm chico thank you for listening please be kind to each other and we will see you for the next one wow you might practice walking without dragging your knuckles on the floor albert let's talk about knuckles for the last time i knocked you down i felt bad about it the next time is going to be a real pleasure you listen to me while i will admit to a certain cynicism the fact is that i'm a naysayer and hatchet man in the fight against violence I pride myself in taking a punch, and I'll gladly take another because I choose to live my life in the company of Gandhi and King. My concerns are global. I reject absolutely revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. I love you, Sheriff Truman.